Welcome to the chaos. I'm so excited for this podcast. I'm eager to share, inspire, and give hope to those who feel alone and lost. I'm Jordan, the host of Jordan Chronically. Good morning and happy Halloween. I'm so excited to do this first official episode of the podcast. My husband listened to the first one and let me know that I did sound a little bit scripted, which if you listen to it, you will know that I had to cover a lot of bases there. So I was reading off of notes on my computer. So don't worry, it will not all be scripted or sound like a radio commercial. This is definitely going to be raw and unedited. But let me just tell you the last 24 hours that I've had. So two days ago, maybe it was yesterday. I don't know. Either way, it was in the last two days. I decided I'm going to launch merch for Diabetes Awareness Month, which is like super cool, right? Like I have two diabetic t-shirts that my mom just got me for my birthday um, at the beginning of October. So I was like, let's make some funny and just like a little bit snarky shirts, right? So I go through the whole process, set up an account with Shopify. I'm going to do this drop shipping thing where I can upload a design. They'll put it on a shirt and they will send it to the customers. Okay. Well, I thought it was going to be as easy as that. So my husband did a test run and he ordered the shirt that I wanted that I created. And I get this notification that says item cannot be imported refund customer. And I'm like, what the heck? So thankfully we got that all figured out. But then this morning I wake up and I do my Bible study and I was like, okay, I'm finished with everything. Let's, let's start getting ready. So I'm in the bathroom trying to put my contacts on and I open the right side of my contacts case and my right contact is just missing. Like it is just not there. I'm not entirely sure still where it's at. Um, and unfortunately for me, that was my last pair of contacts. So I have no idea what's going on this morning, but we are just rolling with it. I'm super excited to share my diagnosis story. So let's get into it. Okay. So I have to be honest. I was diagnosed with type one diabetes in 1999, which was almost 24 years ago. So I have very little memory of like truly and accurately what happened. So I'm just going to tell you the things that I remember and leading up to the diagnosis. So in 1999, I was six. I, from the most part, was like super healthy. And all of a sudden, I just started wetting the bed, right? Which is like super weird at six years old and super uncommon. So my mom thought a couple things, right? She thought I was just lazy. I was a hard sleeper or I had like a UTI, a kidney infection, or a bladder infection. So at first she tried everything. She only let me have water. She wouldn't let me have water after 6 p.m. She would make me go to the bathroom before bed. And still, even some nights, I would wet the bed once and even up to two times a night. And she was like, okay, this isn't normal. We've tried all that we can try. Let's take her to the doctor. So these are where like every, like all my memories get a little bit vague. I do vividly remember sitting in a doctor's office with a doctor and my mom starts crying. Now I have no idea at that time I'm six, why my mom is crying. I don't think any six-year-old could fully understand what was happening, but they did a really horrible job at telling my mom what was happening. So 
they had me pee in a cup um, and they told her I had sugar in my urine. And my mom was like, okay, like, I don't know what that means. And they just were like, she needs to go to children's hospital immediately. And my mom's like shocked, right? She's like completely shocked, has no idea at all what is going on. So they tried to put me in an ambulance and my mom was like, can we just drive her? Like, is this life or death? Can we just drive her? And they were just like, yes, you can drive her, but you need to go now. And I'll be honest, I do not even remember the date of my diagnosis. I do remember that it had to be either before or right around the time of Valentine's Day because that year, instead of candy, I got a trampoline. And, you know, back in 1999, there wasn't a lot of the medical technology that we have now because for type 1 diabetes, we can absolutely control it and it does help having these devices, medical devices, because it gives us a little bit more freedom. So I did remember that it was right around the time of Valentine's Day. And actually, I would be super interested to see my medical records. Maybe I should request that and we can do an episode just like reading over the records and talking about them because that would be so interesting. But anyways, we get to Children's Hospital, which I thought was the coolest place I've ever been as a six-year-old. If you have ever been to a children's hospital, specifically the St. Louis Children's Hospital, it was incredible. I remember my favorite food was mashed potatoes, um, and I got to eat that as often as I wanted. I was on an IV. My family members came up to see me. They gave me this big, giant book. Um, It was like a pink panther on it, like a pink cat. I don't know. You'll have to comment and let me know if that sounds familiar to you guys. But I got all of this stuff and then they allowed my family members to come to the hospital and they were going to let me learn how to do injections by giving my parents shots of saline solution. So obviously I was going to have to learn how to manage and give injections because, well, I would be doing that for the rest of my life. So I thought that was really cool as a six-year-old getting the opportunity to give my parents a shot. Like what six-year-old, you know, can just say, hey, I got to give my mom and dad injections and my grandparents. And I just thought I was super cool. And that was a super cool thing to experience and learn from. And then I don't have a whole lot of memory on what happens next. Over the course of the next few years, my mother unfortunately started struggling with drug addiction. And I know that a lot of my care and responsibility for my health fell upon my grandparents. And they always made sure that I was, you know, taken to every appointment and they did the best that they could. But as I approached preteen and teen and also struggling with the fact that my mom was addicted to drugs, I became so rebellious and burnt out to my diabetes. Like I cannot even begin to explain to you when I say I am not here by my own strength. I 100% mean that, that there is absolutely no way that I should be alive right now by the way that I've taken care of myself in my younger years. I would go weeks, like that sounds dramatic, but I would go weeks without actually checking my blood sugar. I would just guess and give insulin or if I felt low, because thankfully I've always felt my low blood sugars, but if I had symptoms of a low blood sugar, I would just treat a low And then when I started feeling like the headache and the brain fog and 
the dehydration come on, I would just give like five to seven units of insulin. By the time that I had graduated high school, I have a funny story actually before I get there. In high school, we didn't have a nurse because I'm from a super small town. We didn't have a nurse in high school, but my diabetic doctor at the time decided to write me a note to take to school that if my blood sugar got over 250, I could go home from school and I would be excused. So my freshman year of high school, I took full advantage of that. I had my worst classes in the afternoon were social studies and math. So I would eat lunch, not take insulin for the lunch that I ate and come back like 30 to 45 minutes later, check my blood sugar in the office and it would be above 250, obviously. And I would just go home for the rest of the day. I didn't even attend 100 days of school my freshman year because I fully and wholeheartedly took advantage of not, you know, just not checking my blood sugar and getting to go home because that doctor's note said I could. So I was very behind in school. I did not take school seriously. But by the time I graduated, I got pregnant pretty quickly after graduating high school. So I graduated in May of 2011. And by November of 2011, I was pregnant with my first daughter. And at my very first appointment, my A1C was 13.9, which is incredibly high. They gave me, you know, the talk of like, hey, you're not going to be able to carry this baby to term. There is no way you could have a healthy pregnancy. Like you should just prepare to miscarry. And thankfully, truly, again, by the grace of God, I have a healthy 10-year-old daughter now, but I got my butt in gear so fast. Truly, the pregnancy saved my life, Like not only because I was making really horrible choices, but because it actually gave me the motivation to start taking care of myself because now I'm responsible for this baby. I'm responsible to take care of this child for the rest of my life and, you know, 18 plus years. So they put me on an insulin pump, uh, took me off Lantus. I shared in one of my TikToks that at the time, Lantus was not approved or safe for pregnancy. Again, I commented on the video that I don't know where that stands now. It could be very different. This was 10 years ago, but I was so scared. I spent the weekend in the hospital just, you know, kind of bracing for worst case scenario. And Again, I just need to say that by the grace of God, I have a healthy 10-year-old and everything, you know, she was born prematurely, but everything worked out so, so well. And after the relationship ended with my oldest daughter's dad, I started just struggling again with my mental health, with drinking, just off and on, you know, I... My teen years were cut, not my teen years, I guess, but like my college years were cut so short um, because of the decisions I had made that once we separated and he was getting Hadley, you know, his parenting time, I took full advantage of that and just truly started not caring about myself again and not having the motivation to take care of myself. I never wanted to check my blood sugar. I never, you know, I just, I, I didn't feel like it. I was not in a good headspace. And I met my husband shortly after that. And again, a little bit of motivation came that's like, okay, now I have somebody who's super healthy in my life and he's motivated and he wants to take care of me and wants to have a life with me, wants to have this relationship with me. I have to do better. Like I just have to do better. And after we, you know, dated for a while and we got married and started talking about the possibility of having more children, 
I really was just like, I cannot live like this anymore. I cannot be taking my health for granted because one day I I could lose my life and I'm truly just, you know, like I was taking full advantage of the fact that I had not had bigger health issues than I had already had. And I went to the doctor to ask if I was like healthy enough to have a pregnancy at the time. And thankfully they, all of my tests came back positive and, or like a positive way. Like uh, my kidney function was good. My liver function was good. Everything was just good. And so we started trying to have our, our daughter and, you know, that has just kind of been, it's sad to say, but like mental health crisis is such a big deal with people with chronic illness because we live this life that constantly revolves around taking care of ourselves when we don't want to and when we're experiencing burnout or you know just the stressors of life and it's so so hard and like i just felt defeated i felt really hopeless and i really struggled with the idea that like there are really people just out here who don't have to think about food 24/7 and the impact that it's going to have on their body and they don't have to calculate, you know, insulin to carb ratio and things like that and I just felt so lost. I at that time just realized I don't have anybody that understands this. I don't. I don't have, you know, my family understood growing up with me that things were difficult for me and my husband quickly understood how difficult living life with chronic conditions can be and I started talking about it on social media. I would join these type one diabetic groups and I would talk about it on Instagram and, you know, just tried to get it all out there. And then once our daughter was born, she had so many health issues, so many health issues. They even gave us, you know, this terrible, basically what they thought was a diagnosis for her that she was going to die. Like she was born being the best she will ever be. The type of disease was, you know, a genetic mutation basically. And our child was not going to live past the age of two. And I knew to be able to fully take care of her, I absolutely had to suck up the feelings that I had, the defeat that I felt, you know, just the burnout, the depression, the anxiety over my own disease, I had to suck it up and I had to start caring about myself because if I didn't, there was no way, there was no way I could take care of this baby. So that's exactly what I did. I sucked it up and I was like, I'm not going to be here for this child if I don't start taking care of myself. I I just, I remember crying and just feeling so defeated. And don't get me wrong, I feel like I have a pretty good hold on this disease now, but I have my days where I will sit in bed and not do anything but be angry about the fact that I have this disease because it sucks. It is not a good time to have a chronic condition that you have to manage. And it especially sucks when you share your life with people on the internet and make these videos and people minimize your disease because of, you know, uneducated opinions or they were misinformed. It sucks so bad, but I have so many more good days now that I have, I have just this better understanding of who God is and that I can't do this on my own strength. I cannot do this. I cannot deal with the specialist appointments and, you know, the other diagnosis that come along with having an autoimmune disease and chronic conditions and the mental health and the food. Oh my gosh, the food issues and the disordered eating and the calculations and just the ups and downs of this scary 
debilitating disease without God. It's not possible. It is not possible. And I had to submit to that. I had to say, I cannot do this alone. God, please give me the strength and the motivation and the desire to help myself because I cannot do this alone. And truthfully, once I realized and fully submitted to God that like, this is in your hands, this like, I'm going to do what I can do in my strength, but God, you're going to have to meet me where I'm at. You're going to have to help me. And I fully depend on you and I trust you. And I realized that I was putting so much pressure on myself to be perfect because perfection doesn't exist. I hope you hear that. Perfection doesn't exist in any stretch of the imagination, whether you want the perfect body or the perfect clothes or hair or life. That is an unrealistic expectation. And we just aren't meant to be perfect. We aren't meant to carry that weight on our shoulders. I feel like I get asked pretty often how I manage this disease and stay positive. And the truth is, is some days I don't. Some days I don't want to be positive about it. But the thing I do is I let myself feel those feelings. You can't process emotions if you don't feel them. So for me, if I'm having a day where I'm just not having it, I don't want to think about diabetes. I don't want to be diabetic. I don't want to count carbs. I kind of let myself have a little pity party. I just don't allow myself to stay there. I don't allow myself to get so deep in a funk that I just say it isn't worth it anymore. So sharing on social media for me has been so therapeutic in so many ways. I mean, for one, I get to connect with all of you who even made this possible, this podcast possible, because so many of you wanted to connect with me and wanted to know more about me. And you tell me your stories and you share things with me and you you have the nicest comments. You know, some of them are like, I don't feel alone anymore. And that right there just overwhelms me with so much joy because I've been there. I spent so much of my life feeling isolated and lost and lonely and defeated. And now I get to share my experiences, my story, you know, some you know, some very sensitive topics and some funny stuff too. Like my TikTok is chaos all the time. I don't post the same things. I, I mean, sometimes I do, but like All of my content is just so random and I try to share my life and it has given me this outlet, this super healthy outlet to let go of my feelings and to share with people who understand. And I think that's the coolest part about social media is that we don't have to live in the same town or even the same state and we still can connect with each other and share our experiences. And it has just, it has been so awesome to me to help people realize that we were not just put on this earth to experience sadness and trials and mental health struggles, that there is a purpose for all of this. And it just, I, I just feel so blessed. I feel so blessed. One thing I really wanted to do at the end of each episode is to just give you a little bit of encouragement through scripture. And 
I was thinking about this all weekend long. I needed a piece of scripture that uh, was just, you know, fitting to kind of what we were talking about. And I came across Romans 12, 12, and I am reading out of my little prayer journal here. So if it sounds like I'm reading a script, I am. (laughs) So Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulations and be constant in prayer. So I think that is so important. And I'm going to tell you why. The beginning, it says, rejoice in hope. Okay, so always know there is hope. Maybe not in the moment, in the day, or exact timing you think, but you can always remain hopeful that God is there and he is a good God. And the second part says, be patient in tribulation. Patience is not something that I have a lot of, especially in moments of like stress or trials. But sometimes, this is hard for me, sometimes God will call us to be still and wait on him. And we should be obedient to that. It's not easy. It doesn't always look the same. It doesn't always look beautiful, but we truly should be obedient in what he is calling of us. And sometimes that is to be still and stop trying to be in control and let God be God. And the last part says, be constant in prayer. I wrote, pray always. I talk to God as if he's in the passenger seat of my car or even on a walk with me. When I pray, it helps me feel less alone in all things. It gives me peace knowing when I tell God something, I no longer have to carry it on my own. And I think that is the most important part. Listen, you can tell God that it sucks right now. You can tell God that you're angry or sad or happy or frustrated. He is a big, big God, and he can handle your big emotions. He wants that. He may know exactly the plans he has for your life, right? That's what scripture tells us. But that doesn't mean you just assume that you don't have to talk to him because he already knows. He craves that from us. He wants that from us. So if I could just encourage you today, it would just be that you always, always go to God in prayer in the good times when you're thankful and in the terrible times when you're overwhelmed, just always, always be in continuous prayer. All right. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I am so very excited for this opportunity and I cannot wait to share more of my life and experiences and the chaos, truly the chaos with you guys. I'm so thankful that you took time out of your day to listen to my podcast. And I hope that I get the opportunity to interact with you, to hang out with you, to connect with you on social media. So I hope you guys have an awesome November 1st, the start of Diabetes Awareness Month.